Well, time has definitely flown. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark, uh, Mark Grist, and this is Chris. Hello. Uh, that's Chris Barn over there. It the is. man, the myth, the beardy legend <laughs> uh, in the booth. And we are at the end of this podcast series, Chris. And to celebrate uh, that we're on the final episode, Chris, I've even brought you a gift. Say what? Yeah. It's in the boot of the car right now, Chris. And you know what? Mm -hmm. It's got dimples. I'll take that. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully you were with us in episode one, uh, at which point you will not be calling the police. Uh, (laughs) You'll know that I'm talking about the buns uh, from Sainsbury's in Breton. Oh, yes. Yeah, Chris, rock and roll. <laughs> Today, uh, we are going to be sharing new writing with you, as we have in every episode of this series so far, because we honestly believe we can all gain something from listening to each other and feel connected and, uh, yeah, helps us enjoy our own creative journey. So we have got 10. What? 10. new pieces to share with you today and the theme for this episode is how fast do you want to go the pieces we've got are really interesting um some of these pieces are looking at things that move quickly some look slowly we've got pieces created through workshops and and let's let's not slow ourselves down by spending too long waiting to get into it our first piece i'm super excited about because it's by andy aspin oh yeah now Andy Aspin, I believe, was one of the first contributors on episode one. He wrote us a rap from the perspective of an octopus. And I loved that piece. We had a lot of fun listening to it. And so we were really excited when Andy hit us up. This piece is about going fast, or at least your brain operating very quickly, perhaps too quickly for other people around you. Hi, I'm Andy Aspin a poet, writer, and spoken word artist of sorts from Buckinghamshire, England. I was on episode one of the podcast, and I've been a member of Write Club since March 2021. On the first episode, I did a poem about octopuses, which was the first piece I ever wrote for Write Club. But today's theme is on fast and slow. I thought a bit about what represents fast and slow to me. I considered a few things and thought that a good theme to explore would be a disorder with so many syllables in it, you stop listening to it halfway through. Ironic in the same way dyslexia is hard to spell. I've got ADHD, and I've had it all my life, but I got diagnosed in my mid-twenties, which feels quite slow and on theme. Keeping on theme, I also had to wait over two years on a waiting list to be diagnosed, so I've had my share of slow. As for fast, well, thoughts can be quick, fleeting things, as can attention spans, but there is quite a lot of ADHD that is more than just attention. A lot of the stuff doesn't get seen, so I thought it'd be an interesting topic to write about, share experiences that happen inside my, and I'm, I'm sure other people's heads with ADHD. If you don't have ADHD, it might be a bit of insight or a bit of light into how some of us process and deal with stuff. If you do have ADHD, you've probably already stopped listening. But if you still are, I hope it is relatable in a helpful way. Here's Andy's piece. I really love how he plays with this kind of staccato energy as his mind's kind of spinning about all over the place. Attention deficit, a dopamine hedonist. I'm my own nemesis. Enemy inside of me, make my own Everest. Can't surpass the precipice from my start like Genesis. Due to biochemistry recipe, inadequate in self censorship. ADHD, inattentiveness in the parentheses. Just take this medicine, fix it with amphetamine. 
slow down. Sometimes I need to talk over the finer points and chat, but the trouble is the struggle to get my mind to relax. My brain is like a muscle that is under attack. It's laid just like a puzzle that is ruptured and cracked. I take too long when I'm thinking of details, even though I'm slow, I start sinking and derail. Stop the room spinning with an inhale, exhale. Need to fill this hole and dig in again, but I fail. I'm looking at you now as we start to talk, this conversation taking all my thought. Only explanations, I drew the attention and organisation, shortest straw. My presentation, an indication, I look spaced out in this situation, which seems to be, by your estimation, communicating that I look bored. How frustrating I'm failing, so irritating, my focus fading, quaking, other thoughts evading, infiltrating, humiliating, end up just chasing, talking, class adjust, you're misbehaving, can't keep on on task must be lack of concentrating, isolating, suffocating, such a lack of stimulating, stimulus. I hear it in your words, interspersed, not sinister but similar, insidious, familiar. My curricular practitioner thinks learning is linear, of the opinion one speed is legitimate for all participants, difference is insolence. Anyway, back to our current conversation, I try to recall what you said. Can't remember the information, so I just smile and nod with my head. I'll focus now, mindful of being present, before thoughts spiral in the next seconds. Thoughts that cycle until I start to question the question in your voice. That inflection, that look in your face and your expression expectant. Expecting something better. Wait a second, I beckon. I missed what you said. That's what I reckon. Trying to drown out these thoughts incessant. The self-resentment feels quite unpleasant. F***. I did it again. Slow down. Deep breath. Yes, I'm back on track. Speed up. My mind raises through doubts, trying to work out what our conversation was about. You were saying about your dog or your cat, your mum or your dad, feeling happy or sad, stressed or was it glad, something good or maybe bad. I'm sure with some time it'll start to come back. As I flick through my memory and begin to unpack, unwrap and find what you told me as I rack my brain, but I've lost track of those thoughts so fast I couldn't catch. I care about what you say, even if it doesn't seem like that. Andy Aspin there. What a magical and creative mind to have come up with all of that. Chris, do you ever feel a bit out of sync with other people or when you get into the zone? Yeah, I kind of, I think it's it's one of those things that um, I kind of feel out of sync all the time. <laughs> I mean, as an artist, I, I, we do get sucked into this kind of state of being creative. And certainly, I don't know about you, but time goes very quickly when I'm totally absorbed in something. Do you find that when you're editing or you're kind of putting together these these podcast episodes? Once you're, um, you're amongst the throes of anything, it's not just this, any production, whatever you're doing, any voiceover work, composition, it's always the same. If, if you're amongst it, you kind of lose track of time completely. You, you know, I could sit here looking at the clock thing and it's this time and then I look at it next time and it's five hours gone past. Right, so this next piece I'm really excited about. It's by uh, a writer called Lateral G. I must stress, we nearly didn't feature this piece because Lateral G had written us something that was really great and we were going to use anyway. Um, So, yeah, the artist, uh, known as Lateral G, uh, attended one of our online workshops um, led by Sandy Wardrop. And the whole concept was about fast poetry, kind of creating poetry really, really quickly. Um, The piece that Lateral G sent over to us was Ace, and we kind of had it earmarked for the episode. But then we received another piece from Lateral G just a few days ago. And it fits really nicely here, I think, in this episode because it's also about the mind. This is relaying the experience of an MRI scan. Wow, okay. And, uh, yeah, I feel like... I feel... Yeah, I feel like it's definitely something we wanted to share with you all. Um, So, yeah, here is Lateral G um, with MRI Experiment. MRI review. Two stars... Strapped into a cream coffin, 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 with no movement allowed. 
the long-awaited set began, the volume plenty loud. Some pulsing, 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 pulsing techno to open. Mostly kick, 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 kick drums. The pace was fast enough. If I hadn't been so restrained, I might have twitched a bit. Just a limb. Next, in a change of mood, some gentle electro. Almost tuneful in places, not like the techno. A distant metronome kept regular pace. Gravestaffs were ripped in, actually. And whether real or imaginary, some of the harmonics reminded me of binaural beats. Pause. Then we started to build for the finale. A chorus of pneumatic drills now rattled blindly. Enough to make the teeth vibrate, let alone the deep down rumble that made my whole body shake. This track felt out of kilter with the rest of the set, although not as bad as the break core I've been subjected to before. My advice to the radiographer? Pick more bang bangers! Bang I know you've got a captive audience, locked up there and you know dance floor, but why not leave them wanting more? Yeah, I liked it. It's cool. Quite like the sound design elements to it. Certainly bouncing off the the top line voice and and kind of bringing that into context. It's nice. It it's peaks cool. in some interesting ways. There, yeah. there, there's points that it almost feels a bit painful, um, <laughs> but I, but you know what? The writing's pretty tight, and yeah. I I think uh, lateral G. I think you're a literal G for for writing that. It sizzled in the inbox. Um, the piece. It really definitely. Uh, it really stood out and was really it's ambitious. Really and glitchy. Cool. It's really glitchy as well. I think it just adds a bit more. You get some more kind of vibe to it. Thank you so much, Lateral G. Um, and um, personally, I'm really interested to see what uh, what you come up with in the next few years. Okay, so the next piece we're going to share is called Crash by Tasha. Did somebody say watch out before you crash into the wall? The invisible wall of places beyond the curtain of fortune. How opportune we met. That wasn't a bet. A single glistening ball inside that shipwrecked hall. Now I'm feeling small amidst the mess of it all. I didn't fall, despite the calamity. All around me like flotsam and jetsam. No pattern at all, just plonk wherever. A crazy mess. I confess it looks. Review the books and beyond you'll see it. And then you'll know for sure. Thank you so much for that piece. Yeah, it's cool. It, it was interesting, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Definitely. Like, I, I, it didn't end the way I kind of felt like it was going to. Mm. And I thought it was, yeah, really thoughtfully done. Thank you so much for sending that in. With the next piece we're going to share, um, Chris, this is going to be a uh, text piece. So uh, this is a piece that's been sent in by Donald Holmes. Uh, of all the text pieces we got in for this month... Um, we really felt this um this stuck with you a bit. I guess I'll read it out. Hundred percent, yeah, I think so. Um I can see that you <laughs> mopping your brow at the thought of you beads of be... sweat dripping into my eye. Yeah. Right. Um but yeah, okay, so this is by um Donald Holmes and it's called Loss and Time. I went to our favourite cafe and sat at the window seat, where we would drink and chatter whenever we chose to meet. I flirted with the waitress, the one with the lovely eyes. She played the game so perfectly, 
Even as we said our goodbyes, I walked home through the park. The leaves were turning brown. Soon the grey mists of autumn will descend and cover the town. How could I find such enjoyment from everyday things that I do? It's because they only can happen at times when I don't think of you. I try to hold it together and stop myself feeling so blue. But the times are getting much shorter, those times that I don't think of you. Nice, man. Really lovely. Yeah, lovely. I I love the repetition. I think that's really effective with Mm. the rhyme scheme as well. Um, Really good clear ending sometimes I feel like the last line of a poem is almost like the um, you know like in a gymnastic yeah, display yeah. <laughs> when they kind of stand up and they do the kind of arms out yeah. there we go and I think that was like a really good <laughs> it's a really nice helpful at least for someone else reading your poem out aloud yeah. um, dismount uh, um, at the end uh, crisp and and, and thoughtful that was Don Holmes and thank you very much Don it really stood out and was a great piece to, to get in the inbox Chris. Hello. How do you measure the time? I've got this amazing ability just to look into the sky and look at the the formation of the clouds and know exactly what time of the day it is. What? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Do you know what? I can't back that up at all. But other than that, yeah, my phone. Yeah, probably my my phone (laughs) as well. I've got a watch, but I always lose watches. Mm. Have you ever tried measuring time by the sun i think you can tell in in the winter if i look out the window now and i look where the sun is you can kind of gauge what sort of time it is what about the moon uh yeah because uh, to be fair it's always clear we always have clear nights around here there's not a lot going on so you, you see the moon quite clearly it's actually the other day it was huge you, know, you can literally feel like you can grab it it's crazy wow yeah well the next piece we've got is called a message from the moon uh, and it's by Gareth Barsby, who wrote the uh, Lord Nasty Vile piece that we featured on episode three, I oh, think. Okay. Um, I read out Gareth Barsby's piece in episode three, just like I read out Don Holmes's piece. And Gareth, super excited about this, has now not just sent it in as text, but has sent in audio. So clearly he was not happy with how I did it. <laughs> yeah, hated it. Absolutely hated it. Um, But yeah, this is Gareth Barsby's um, A Message from the Moon. Hello, this is Gareth Barsby. This is a reading of my poem, A Message from the Moon. You can read it on my blog, The Weird Writings of Gareth Barsby. It's at myweirdwriting.wordpress.com. That's myweirdwriting.wordpress.com. A message from the moon. Today the sun explained what some humans think of me, or they assumed when it's night and my face they see. A lot of them point out my orbit, and that fact is true, but some others think I move faster, and I follow them too. I travel above roadways, I travel above rails. If I did, I'd have more to say, I'd have a lot more tales. Seeing stars and planets is all well and good, but I need a change. Maybe I should find a way to observe the world. Even to me, it seems quite strange. But it's in my orbit where I'm supposed to stay. You're supposed to see me at night, reflecting the light of day. I'd like to take a closer look and to move a little faster. 
where the sun pointed out that if I did, it would spell disaster. Thank you so much, Gareth, for sending that through. We really enjoyed listening to it, didn't we, Chris? Yeah, it was really cool, actually. Really enjoyed that one. Really looking forward to seeing what you produce in the future. Our next piece is not a poem. Uh, it is a monologue from Aidan Dobson. Now, Aidan sent us this monologue for the last episode, in fact, for the episode that was featuring young writers and the theme was Back to the Future. Um, unfortunately, Aidan didn't send the work in quickly enough to meet the deadline and so it couldn't be included. But we listened to it anyway and we liked it a lot. And I don't know, and we're talking about being fast and slow, not managing to hit a deadline <laughs> yeah. is kind of on point. Smashed um, it. Yeah, so I, and I think, <laughs> I think it's a great piece. This is Aidan Dobson with a monologue called No Place Like Home. My name is Aidan Dobson, and this monologue comes from a piece entitled There's No Place Like. Having grown up in a biracial household and being born and growing up in places that are different to my familial or passport countries. When my parents returned to England for good after more than 30 years away, things in the country they long called home had clearly changed a bit. Like many people I'd grown up with, I've spent my whole life living outside what I've been told was my home country. Many things here still haven't really clicked for me. But when I was visiting my parents' new house recently, my dad had picked up gardening and he wouldn't stop telling me about these huge birds that he would see above him in the springtime. Take a look at these red kites. You see there, hovering above the tree line. Huge wingspan when spread apart. Oh, yeah, I see now. They're quite cool, actually. <laughs> now, these things were everywhere. Soaring over the hills, the farms and gardens. They're all over the island, actually. But it turns out, it didn't used to be that way. Not long ago, these very birds were said to be extinct in Scotland and in England. They're more scavengers than hunters, you see. And as the big cities grew and started changing, well, eventually these birds were deemed a nuisance and hunted out of the cities or killed for sport. But that's beside the point. So, there's only a tiny population left of these kites, and the birds do what birds do best. They migrate. The few remnant flocks on the island could only really be found in rural Wales. About 25 years ago, there was this big reintroduction programme. A few birds were taken from Wales by a conservancy group. This group nursed and raised chicks in a domestic-controlled environment until they were fledglings, and then when they deemed them ready, they released them, all throughout the island, in these small, handmade nests. No mother, no instructions, no guiding wings to be taken under. No familiar locales, just an artificial recreation of a home that they were expected to take to. But then, something amazing happens. Instinct kicks in. It's like genetically inherited knowledge, as if the planes of where you come from and, and how to thrive there are embedded in the very fibre of their beings. So they've built a home. I mean, how amazing is that? Even without a mother figure, these birds, most birds even, they know how to build their own homes. Now, you'd never even know they were displaced. These birds have become the most successful species to ever be reintroduced from the brink of extinction. They're thriving. But it did make me wonder. Would these birds have been better off staying in the homes that they were removed from in Wales? Are they thriving in their ancestral home because it's what they were instinctually meant to be? Or have they simply adapted to the situations and places they find themselves in? Is home a place where you instinctively belong? 
Or can it simply be wherever you take up space? Oh, lovely. That was wicked. Yeah, really, really nice. Peace. Thank you so much, Aidan, for writing that. I, I, I predict some great things if you continue to write monologues with that kind of depth and that level of thought behind them. Our next artist is going to be Florence Elliott. And Florence Elliott has written about a time where... It's a time we don't talk about very much, but mm. certainly where time changed dramatically. And it's called Our Quarantine is Momentary. I started writing poetry in lockdown, and I think this was the first poem I ever wrote. I had planned sort of unoriginally to sit down and write a poem about quarantine, but accidentally found myself writing quite a passionate advocation of animal rights, which I hadn't planned to do at all, but I'm glad I did because I stand by everything I say in it. There's a worldwide pandemic called COVID-19, and it's forced every household into quarantine. But the thing that spread panic through the entire nation is the darn dismal prospect of living in isolation. People aren't happy, they're losing their minds, separated from the outside by walls, windows and blinds. I feel I'm stuck in a box, no fun to be had. I feel like a prisoner, I might actually go mad. The rights to assemble, to move about freely, seem somewhat distant, stay inside ideally. So it's me in my box, inside and bored. Escape simply something to look toward. Hold on a minute, stop this malarkey. I'm being a bit silly throwing a pity party. Can we turn our attention to the rights and ethics of those who live like this always if you just let me expose? Have you ever taken thought to those pets we keep captive that stay locked up inside whilst we run about active? That fish that swims circles contained in a bowl. Long gone is his freedom, its friends and its soul. Or perhaps that small hamster enclosed in her cage... Just the thought of her capture makes me feel quite enraged. It seems slightly crazy that the minute we're confined, it's the worst ever thing to have happened to mankind. Yet no one takes notice to those chickens in that coop, or that bear that's still being forced to jump through a hoop. For them, every day is one of quarantine. But apparently it's fine because we've got a different gene, or two, or three. But why are we to say, yep, you, Mr Animal, in here you'll stay? So, I suppose I'm grateful for this time that we're enduring hoping it gives humans time to do some maturing. Perhaps they'll see parallels in our current lives of isolation to those animals who suffer constant captive incubation. Because when this pandemic inevitably blows over, I'll be back to my ways, having escaped my enclosure, out of my house, into the world, not a hostage. So remember the parrot, the lion, the ostrich, and hopefully be inspired to spread that sense of liberation to all of the animals who deserve emancipation. Thank you very much. That was Florence Elliott. Did you like that one, Chris? Yeah, I think yeah, I really enjoyed that. I think, like you say, sitting back and, and, and having a moment to reflect on something so important. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Well, let's have a little reflect now, Chris. Okay. We've got a little moment. What, yeah. have, um, what do you think you've uh, learnt from, from this project or gained from this project, do you think? The thing that I've learnt more about this project than anything is the community. I think there's a lot of community elements in this. This is really lovely and everyone kind of pulls things together and... The submission of the work is really lovely as well because it's nice and transparent. People can say what they want to say about things. It's nice. I've learned there's some things I'm really not very good at. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, so to those people listening, for, for us to kind of put the project together, there's big things like, you know, 
hosting the episode, sure. editing the episode, you know, uh, like curating, putting the, the pieces in an order and, and going through everything. But there's lots of small things, just like re- responding to to emails and messages, making kind of content to promote and talk about the episode and things like that. We hadn't budgeted for like the scale of all those little interactions. Mm. I, I've just been doing them. And I've I've been okay, but I think I've realized it's definitely not been my wheelhouse. I've really enjoyed chatting with people on the email threads and getting back. And apologies if it's ever taken me, you know, over two weeks to get back to you because I'm kind of doing other bits and pieces. But I think, yeah, that's what we kind of work up later. Ah, oh, that felt really negative. Yeah, no, is that I negative? don't know. I, no, think that- I get it. But I mean, it's, you know, it is reflective. It's, it's all about growth, isn't it? So I get that. But you've smashed it. You've done really well. Oh, you're very kind. Well, you know. I used to think my voice was genuinely, like, really annoying for people to have to listen to. So um, I can see our listener numbers going up. Good. Every month, um, and uh, yeah, apparently we've got quite a few people in uh, uh, Germany and ah, Australia and America lovely. Um, who like to listen to this. Do you know what I like, Chris? I always think whenever I collaborate with anyone or I work with anyone, I try and find someone. I, are you ready for a compliment, Chris? I don't know if I can take it. I always try and find someone that like I find like it is really good at doing something that I just don't understand or I couldn't do. Hmm. And I think you're really good at what you do. So oh, I know, cheers. Thank you very I've much, really man. enjoyed getting to work with you and seeing yeah, just the scale of foam that is really required. <laughs> I mean, this is this is what it's going to come to, isn't it? I'm just going to literally make a whole life of foam. That's it. Weirdly, we are going to put more in. There's going to be... There's going to be no! Okay, yeah. I mean, it pays off, Chris. It does pay <laughs> off. You send me through the, the, the cut sometimes and it's silky smooth. Cool, cool. Um, That's all about your voice though, mate. You got it in you. Oh... <laughs> Who'd have thought, like, we, a romance would, would, would grow out of this exactly. whole... I mean, we'll be picking out curtains tomorrow. Curtains made of foam, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen inside your house yet, yeah. Chris. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just to reduce all types of noise, that's what we're saying. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our next piece um, we're going to share is from BT Mason. Uh, the piece is called Nearly 40. It comes from a book of poems called Scrumping the Petri Dish. We'll put a link to Beatty's book in the description of the episode. The Older Woman No rainbow flags waved out loud way back then. 39 Easter's ago, back when Thatcher versus Scargill hijacked the news... While vinyl grooves we danced and smooched smooth. One, Hello, by Lionel Richie, for weeks a top ten hit, and whose crooned lyrics, Is it me you're looking for? binged our lips and coupled us with bliss between the sheets. Then, nineteen years older, you were nearly double my age, It's less now, or you'd have seen birthday greetings from the late Queen, forgetting to one hundred and then some. Me, sixty, when forty birthdays ago comes, means, wife, we'll have made it to our ruby through the downs that make the ups more up. Plus, you'll only be a third older than me. This Easter coming... 2023, though, beckons us 39 Easter's ago when we got life.
that was BT Mason um, with a piece called Nearly 40 from um, BT's book Scrumping the Petri Dish. Uh, thank you so much for sending it in, BT. It's quite a lot to take in that piece, I think. Yeah. I, I, I don't know about you, Chris, but you may not have heard it as many times as I have. I, I, listened, I had to listen to it a few times to really understand the, 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 the age changes and how time was kind of moving yeah. um, as it went on. But I thought it was pretty cool and, and ambitious. So thank you so much, BT, for sending that in. Our next piece uh, was written by someone who attended one of our online workshops this year. So as part of this project, we uh, asked the Arts Council for funding to pay online Right Club members to deliver workshops, whilst also developing online Right Clubbers' workshop skills. Now, Holly attended one of these workshops. It was run by Beth Hartley. It was a fab workshop. I was there as well, and I really enjoyed it. And Holly's piece was inspired by one of the activities. Hello, my name's Holly. I use my surname Trundle if I have to. And I recently did an online workshop with Beth. Slow Poetry was the uh, the title. Couldn't resist it because everything I do is slow. And I love poetry. And I loved the workshop, had great fun. And during it we were challenged to do two poems. Very slowly challenged, 20 minutes each. The first one... We were asked to sit and just in a place, be still, listen to the place we were in. What was it saying to us? Sort of tune into the place and let the place speak to us. So I wrote a time to sit and look. I want to say thank you to Beth for the smashing workshop, the lovely people who were also part of it, and um, and you good folk for being kind enough to think my stuff's worth adding to your podcast. Thank you so much. A time to sit and look. In the corner of my lounge is a garden. It has its own space, its own air, its own smell. Nothing grows in it but peace and an ever-deepening swathe of dust as well. Its centre is an obelisk of green, a bower of blooms and spiked artistic heads. Strung around it, neatly sewn mini pennants drape, and rainbow-coloured butterflies hang on candy-twisted threads. Beneath the frame, a wrought-iron table stands, bedecked with lichened twigs and autumn seeds. Treasured vessels sit, memories spilling from their rims. The legs are dressed in silk or time-dried leaves. Beside the table I've tucked a stone bird bath with squirrels scampering around its base. In its bowl a galaxy of mauve hydrangeas float on a bed of gum leaves at rest in this place. The garden gives me an outdoor realm in a home without real grass to mow. It's normally hidden behind a door, only really noticed when time is slowed. That was Holly with a piece called A Time to Sit and Look. Now, we're at the end. We are. The very last piece, Chris, and this piece 
uh, is a piece that I believe has already been published. It's by Harry Wilding. And the reason we wanted to finish on this is because Harry Wilding was the very first submission that was not sent in by an online Right Club member. Um, he was the first member of the public to kind of uh, engage with this series. And who better to finish than Harry once more? This is a piece by Harry called Four Months in Knots. And it's just a really enjoyable experience, I think, getting to hear Harry talk. Hey, I'm Harry Wilding, and I have a poem previously published by Paddler Press and in the Paper Cranes Anthology First Flight about what was, as far as I'm aware, Nottingham's one and only Banksy. It appeared just a few minutes from where I live back in October 2020, so the pandemic's early days still, and depicted a young girl hula hooping a bicycle wheel alongside a real bike with a missing wheel. Uh, what made this even better was its location, not far from where the famous rally factory used to be. And it was great, like loads of people went to see it. Um, you know, everyone was really excited. Um, I even saw a guy take one of his wheels off his wheelchair, pop his chair on its side, himself on the floor, and then pose for a photo. However, four months later, the piece was ripped off the wall and sold, and taken out of Nottingham. Four months in knots. You appeared one morning, relaxed and assured, twirling local history near a seat on which Arthur worked, soon spinning behind perspex like supermarket staff, safe from our touch but not from our cues, until you and your revolutions were torn away by six figures in the night. That was Harry Wilding um, with a piece called Four Months in Knots. And we're done, Chris. We are. Thank you so much to everyone who sent work in. We loved making this episode. And you know what? We've loved making all the episodes yeah. of this series. Um, we've had a little chat earlier about our reflections, but we've had feedback all the way through from people who've sent um, messages in. Might as well wrap up and share a few of the, the ones that really stuck with us, Chris. Yeah. Some of my favourite ones that we got in the inbox. Um, probably, without a doubt, the piece that got the most positive feedback from people messaging us about it was from Moira, Moira mm. Stevenson in episode one. People loved that piece that used just the letters of her name. We've had a bunch of submissions where people have, have done that over the last few um, weeks and people kind of complimenting it. Really clever, people are saying, like really thoughtful. It was a lovely exercise. So yeah, Thank you so much, Moria, for sharing that with us um, at the start of the series. Otherwise, there have been a lot of great comments about Maximum Power, uh, Charlie and Keely in the studio. Yeah. We had things like Love the Energy, Charlie and Keely, such great hosts, was uh, dropped into the listening box in um, Peter, which is ace. And a lot of people loving having Leanne Moden in as well. We've been very fortunate, haven't we? Yeah, having I think them so. Along. They're all lovely, lovely people as well, really lovely people. And apart from that, um, we had a lot of people really enjoyed the episode with young writers. Have you considered even pitching to BBC Radio slash production companies of making a show specifically aimed at the under-18s? Mm. You're so naturally adept, and given your background, it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, there's something exciting about the rawness of, of young writers' work. Um, I totally agree. And, yeah, and you know, cool. we had a lot of messages about that episode from, from around the world. So uh, we are looking at all these different avenues. Um, oh, do you know what? From the online Write Club sessions, we've had so many positive comments. At least 80% of everybody attending our workshops ticked the highest 
five out of five stars for for what they got out of the sessions, which is amazing. Thank you so much, Leanne Moden, for for heading those up. But yeah, people were saying warm and engaging, really supportive atmosphere, very warm and wise words, friendly and affirming, generous with time and expertise. The workshop leaders were regularly heroic, leading workshops in a friendly, welcoming, knowledgeable and approachable manner. I would happily be taught by my workshop leader again, which is amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you so much for all the feedback people have sent. That's just kind of like some snippets of things there. Mm. Um, did you uh, did you admit the feedback about me? Uh, you know, I have got one about you, Chris. Have you really? Yeah. <laughs> I was joking. I was uh, joking. Someone did send a message saying, I hope Chris got some bread this week. <laughs> <laughs> like a feral animal. <laughs> yeah, I hope someone... <laughs> Step by and like chucked you a strudel or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's what they stroll by and strudel me. That's yeah. what it is. Um, yeah, no, lots of comments um, about you, Chris, if I'm honest. And actually yes. the online, I think the online right club, you, you, you're a... Um, have very much taken you to heart um, oh, because you've nice. done a great job of helping so many people's um, work be presented in such a professional way. It's been wicked. But what did you think? I hope you enjoyed um, the series. If you want to send us more feedback, um, type in an email to words at rightclubopenmic.com. We really do value what you send through and we will use it when we fill out our final evaluation to Arts Council England. But we have some final news, um, mm. Chris. So... Over the last couple of months, we've enjoyed working on this so much and we feel we've learnt so much through the process that we contacted Arts Council England and applied to make a new series. And we found out last week uh, that that application has been successful. Yay. Yeah, so we are going to be making some more um, podcasting content that explores this area. We have taken the feedback you've sent in so far. Clearly, the workshops incredibly useful we'll be having another workshop series um a lot of people commented on how it was really helpful having discussions about money and issues that um that writers face and we are going to be um having without a doubt more hosts coming in mm. to join us as well i think we're going to be having charlie and keely and leanne uh, and maybe somebody else as well coming and join us more regularly so yeah we're super excited about it um we will keep you posted on what's going to happen with that we might change the brand name do we think chris what do yeah, you think maybe yeah i think maybe we'll have a think about what we're gonna yeah do. i feel like a couple of people have messaged us and told us that like they they couldn't send their work through because they got the email address wrong or they like it's a bit yeah. of a clunky like a, a mouthful right club open mic so yeah if you've got any ideas for possible names for the new series what we could call it or things that you think we could do more of or be interesting to hear let us know words at rightclubopenmic.com and we will definitely like take all those in but otherwise um we should be back hopefully in probably in march i okay. think Cool. Uh, for another series exploring work. But thank you so much to everyone who sent work in. We're really enjoying the journey that we're on, aren't we, Chris? Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. It's amazing. It's been really great. Yeah, it has. Um, well, let's go and open the boot, take out the thing with dimples and <laughs> slice it in two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrendous. Let's do it. Let's break bread. See you guys later. This podcast was created and hosted by me, Mark Grist, and Chris Barn at Backland Studios in Aundel. It featured writers from all around the UK and was supported with public funding from Arts Council England. Thanks so much to everyone that helped us make this project, who sent work in, who ran a workshop, who attended a workshop, or who just sat and listened and joined us for a little bit. 
We really appreciate that you joined us on this journey. 